Tess, and this is the first episode of SLAM, a podcast that shares UVU students and faculty's art. Our guest today is Alex Caldiero. He moved to Orem from New York a few decades ago when he converted to Mormonism and has been working at Utah Valley University and the Humanities Department since 2002. Outsiders would describe Alex as a poet, but he self-describes as a word shaker and a sinosopher. In fact, he's the subject of a documentary called The Sinosopher, Alex Caldiero in Life and Sound, which you can check out at the UVU library and I would highly recommend. In this interview, we talk about culture, religion, and the importance of breaking rules sometimes. At the end, he shares some of his poems. Let's hop right in. If you saw the, um, the documentary, you got to know that, that, that I'm very traditionalist. If you didn't get that from it, then the whole thing failed. See, but you didn't get that. You got that I'm this really avant-garde kind of groovy, you know, out there kind of person. I'm actually not out there at all. I'm, I'm always, you know, in here. I guess that you're just so different from most people that being so different can be interpreted as being, like, very avant-garde. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm only different because I'm not in my culture. You know, I grew up in a little in a little town, you know, that has been continuously inhabited since 600 B.C. Where continuously was this? Inhabited in Sicily. Okay. Licodia Eubea was first founded by the Greeks, and there've been human beings on this locality, and the population. The population. It's been as much as 32,000. Has been as little as six, seven hundred people. Okay. You know, we've had earthquakes. We've had, you know, as a matter of fact, when we did that, the 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 the, the Sinosopher film, mm-hmm. you know, we went to various localities that had influenced me, and so we're driving into Catania, and Edna is erupted in this lava flowing down red at two in the morning, okay. and it dawns on these guys that are with me. They were on a volcanic island. And people have been building and rebuilding their towns on pads where the lava flows. <laughs> towns have been totally destroyed. You understand? Yes. Over a period of 3,000, 4,000 years, who knows how long. Yeah. And they keep rebuilding on the same <laughs> locality right will there. They learn? <laughs> See? You know who Nietzsche is? Freddie? Freddie Nietzsche, he said to build your houses next to volcanoes. Live dangerously. That's what he was talking about. The consciousness of these people is like very, very sharp. You understand, as a result of this constant danger. And in, in, in 1897, there was a major earthquake, volcanic eruption. And the lava went down to the ocean, to the sea. That's how bad it was, or how good it was. (laughs) Destroyed all these towns. But one town, the women, got together and decided not to vacate the town. Interesting. And they formed a procession. And, And with the priest at the head, 
they marched towards the lava. You understand? Chanting and singing and imploring the saints to stop this thing. And what do you think happened? <laughs> right on its tracks before it entered town. Really? As a matter of fact, there's a chapel there. Okay. They built a chapel to thank St. Anthony <laughs> for saving the town. I'm a Mediterranean Islander. We live dangerously. You know, we tend to be hypersensitive to our surroundings. You know, very aware. Mm -hmm. You know, be, uh, safety is, is a luxury. You know? Yeah. Is a luxury. Which my kids, myself, you, most of us are spoiled with it. And I've been tempered, you understand this, I'm no longer totally, because I'm an American. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm a trans-ethnic. See, a trans-ethnic is someone who, and that's different than an immigrant, all right? Okay. A trans-ethnic is someone who comes to another culture before the age of, let's say, while they still need guardians. See, I'm an American stuck in, in a Sicilian body. It's an identity crisis. See, I, I kind of took over trans-ethnic from transgender because yeah. I identify with the transgender because it's an identity problem. Mm -hmm. You see, you, you look one way, but you totally are someone else. Yeah. And the two kind of are not talking to each other. And then they begin to talk to each other. And then something wonderful happens. You want reconciliation. You know, you want peace. You want to be together. You want to be a together person. You don't want to be split up. You know, you don't want to be, you know, psycho. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you want to be a person, one with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I identify with that. And and a lot of people made the transition easier than others, but I was so inculcated in Sicilian Mediterranean culture basically by my grandmother, mm -hmm. you know, who is my guru, my saint, and my mentor and friend. And, and so I didn't make the transition as much. You know, I became a citizen when I was in the year 2000, after being here almost 40 years. You just got granted citizenship in 2000? Uh-huh. Okay. After I was here, like yeah, since you, 1958. Okay. All my family had their citizenship. My friends, everybody had their citizenship. And I go, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel totally American. And then finally, certain things began to happen. Amongst them, key things was the death of my mother. My mother. You know, that's where I. That was where I was. That's where I came from. Mm -hmm. My mother, from her body. See, and, and when she died, she was buried here on this soil. And she was the first to die on American soil of my line. And so now, I identified with the ground. Okay. With America. Yeah. Because my mother was here and she, you know, and then my father died and he's here. You know, and I, and I go, wow, 
this is my new home. And believe it or not, I never felt at home in Manhattan. I never called that home. Yeah. Brooklyn was never home. Home was Licodeo Bear, my town where I was born. Orem is my home, my second home. Now, a lot of people don't like Orem. You know, they think it's a boring place. Yeah. They think nothing is happening here. Well, that's not true. That's not true. Between Orem and Provo, there's an underground scene here that is amazing. Amazing. And I've been a part of it for, my God, since, since I've been here. See, but nobody knows about it. And it's good that they don't know about it. They'd ruin it. Exactly. <laughs> and the same thing goes for Salt Lake. See, Salt Lake is, is selling out to such a degree that it's, like, ridiculous. You know, you know, I used to, one of my favorite foods, just to give you an example, was dried tomatoes. You understand? I mean, that's my, my, that's my soul food. Okay. You understand dried tomatoes. I can't buy dry tomatoes. They, they cost four, six, eight bucks for a little thing like this. The yuppies took it over. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. The yuppies took it over. Everything, oil, good olive oil. That's, that's my soul food. <laughs> you know, the yuppies take it over. I, I can't, a little bit of oil like this is eight bucks. I mean, yeah. Things were better when they were worse. All my, all my beautiful, beautiful soul foods my Italian Sicilian foods. I can't get a piece of bread right. I go to Harmon's and I say, why you burn your bread? You burn your bread, what are you, what are you doing? You're burning your bread. He says, no, that's the way they, people like it. People like burned bread? I mean, look at this. this is, have you seen that bread? It's like, I can't get a decent baguette. You know, so I bag it. <laughs> no baguettes. There was a time when I, I was in a, my wife and I, Decide, and my son, at the time, I only had one, one kid, we decided to go into a commune, as everybody was doing. So let's check out these communes, you know, these hippie communes, you know. So we went up to a commune in which everything was tofu. You know, no alcohol, nothing like that. It was actually an incredible commune that is still one of the few communes still thriving to this day called The Farm, which is a cult. It was a cult, you know, which never occurred to me. <laughs> you know, I figured we were... We're just checking things out. And so we're there and, and, and we do meditations and then we go and into the field and pick soybeans. That was the <laughs> soybeans, fields and fields of soybeans. I go, what do you guys do with this? Says everything, <laughs> milk, tofu, everything was soybean based, you know, vegetarian. I was vegetarian for about 11 years if you're a Mediterranean Islander and you go there and you say, no, I don't eat meat. Says, is there something wrong with you? Are you ill? <laughs> and the only way you can be forgiven for not eating any of these things is if you say, I'm diabetic, uh, I'm, I'm on a special diet. You know, I used to say, I took a, a religious vow. And they understood that, see? You know, but otherwise, just to say you don't eat meat, you know, so we went there to do the Sanasafa film mm -hmm. with two little sweethearts. One is a vegan... Oh, no. <laughs> and the other one is, at the time was kind of a quasi-Mormon, you know. Okay. So the three of us are there, and we're encountering incredible food. I mean, we were in the heart of the heart of things, you know. And so I would say, now listen, I know you don't eat meat or anything like that, and I'm not asking you to give up your life as a vegan, 
But if you're going to break that vow, this would be the perfect time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he says, no, I, and I think someday he will regret it. You know what I mean? No, because he's a, he's a, he's a hard-ass uh, vegan. Oh, he's such a sweetheart. I love these guys. I mean, these are like, you know. But I told him that. And the other guy, we went to this place with hand-rolled incredible cigars. Cigars. One leaf, one cigar. You know, and I told the other guy, because the vegans smoke cigars. See? But the other guy, the Mormon guy, doesn't smoke, but he eats the meat. <laughs> See, so that, so I, I, it'd be this trade-off back and forth. I go, oh my God, I remember this too much. Too much. <laughs> this is, so I told, the, I told the <laughs> Torben, I go, now Torben, I know you don't smoke, but if you're ever going to break it, and you never say never, this is the time to break, to make the exception. This will be the one exception, the one time you're not going to, you know, you just smoke the cigars, wonderful. And he wouldn't do it. Mm, so me and the typical. vegan are smoking cigars and totally enjoying it. <laughs> just like the other time we were eating the meat and the, and the vegan was like, and I go, what is this? Some sort you're of, enjoying it all. I'm enjoying it all because, because when I was a vegetarian, you don't know the stuff I gave up. See, I was a vegetarian, more than a vegetarian. I wouldn't eat anything that had been cooked even in a pot that had even been used for meat in any way. Wow. You understand? I was, I was like really a fanatic. And one time we were invited to dinner, my wife and I, and it was my my uh, my mother's um, uh, um, godchild, and they had prepared a special meal. It was a rooster, and they gave me the honor of eating the head, the rooster's head, you know, with the crown and the thing, and it's like an honor. I mean, this is like, you know, and I refused it. Do you regret that? Yes. And I regret it on so many levels because they were offended. And then I had to ask forgiveness. Really, I said, listen, don't. I mean, it was a big deal. Yeah. You know, because the customs and, and, and the traditions are like, you know, this is what you live by, you know. And, and so it was... It was that kind of a thing that I regretted. You know, I have very few regrets. I can count them on half a hand. I'm serious, and that's one of them, you know. Yeah. And I was forgiven because they're sweethearts, <laughs> and they understood that I was simply a crazy person. <laughs> we, we forgive you. Yeah. You're just insane. <laughs> we love you anyway. <laughs> that reminds me of, I was in Vietnam, um, just traveling there a few mm -hmm. years ago and I was very Mormon at the time and Vietnam has like really delicious coffee with like sweet and condensed milk and it's so good and I was like the first little while I was like no I'm not gonna drink any and then eventually I was like no <laughs> I'm definitely drinking some this is like the only time I'll ever get to try this and I did and I'm really happy that I did see yeah. see and you make it an exception there are exceptions to every rule you know, when I was mm -hmm. practicing the word of wisdom, and I did it 100%, by the way, mm -hmm. 
and I was considered a fanatic by my own religious group. Yeah. You know, I go, I go, my God, you guys are, you guys are crazy. Because if you showed as much enthusiasm for football as you show, we could have Zion established here on earth in 24 hours. In 24 hours. We, because I couldn't understand why Zion wasn't being realized. See, I got the call. I got the call. I got the witness. Go out and gather amongst the saints. So I gathered my family and we went out to Zion and we got here and I go, hey, where's the gathering? <laughs> the gathering? What are you, nuts? <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're about a hundred years too late. I go, no, I didn't get that. I, that, I didn't gather that from my reading and, and my study. I, I figured I, I, I want to come out to, to Zion, man, and, mm -hmm. and, and gather. I mean, I'm ready. You know, I got my family here. I, I, we sold everything, which wasn't very much. Yeah. We, we didn't come across the planes. We came across the jets. Because with the jet, we came across. I guess across, you came you across know. the airplanes. Yeah, see? You know, and so, so here we are. See, and that's the problem. I've always been out of step with my time. I've always been out of sync, you know, with everything. Time and place. You understand? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have fared a lot better in 1880, 1870 here. Well, you know. 2019 is glad to have you. At least I am. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I practiced with my family. We practiced 100% the word of wisdom, the temple, tithing. These are, these are good things. Yeah. I would receive testimony of them, absolutely. When did you convert? Just 70, get a timeline. 79. And is that when you moved to Orem? Uh-huh. Okay. Right afterwards. Okay. Yeah. See, conversion is an interesting state of mind. Most of, but people always end up thinking that I'm crazy. You know, I mean, I always end up being the crazy guy. All my friends, some of them thought I was joining some crazy cult and that I shouldn't do it. And, and some of them, I said, well, he's crazy. What, what's new with him? He's just doing one more crazy thing. But for me, it, was, it wasn't a crazy thing because the Holy Ghost came upon me. And even as I say it right now, he comes upon me now. Mm -hmm. He has never left me, you know, because I believe that the church is true. Yeah, yeah. And you still do? Uh-huh, absolutely. But you're not an active member anymore? Uh, I don't like that term, active member. Because I'm very active. Okay. I just don't belong to the organization. Okay. I've, not been, I've not been excommunicated. Although 
some people think that they don't excommunicate crazy people. They only excommunicate people that threaten them, you know, like scholars, you know, and people that somehow... But I, I've never really threatened anybody because they keep saying, yeah, he's a crazy guy. No one takes him seriously. Yeah, that's okay. You know? <laughs> so that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. <laughs> you know, you know so, so... But yes, I, I, believe, I believe literally that an angel came down and revealed to Joseph Smith the Book of Mormon insofar okay. as it is transcribed and translated correctly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe in the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the power of the priesthood. But this is not something you could hold in your pocket. Mm-hmm. This is not something you could own. This is not something you can claim, this is us, this is ours. As soon as you do, it's not. See? You know, so, yeah, I'm a true believer. You know, in this, in this valley, there are very few of us left. Yeah. You know, my wife says, you're not, but stop saying that. You don't believe anything. I go, of course I do. Yeah, my testimony, you know, is still alive and, and very well. You know, I just don't believe in the organization. You I respect I mean? that and appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I just don't believe that you could. So I, I went to the, the temple president and I said, listen, you know, I, I have really some, you gotta answer some questions because there was changes happening in the temple ritual, you know, that were very disconcerting to me. So I went in to talk to the temple president, the provo. Is this recently? No, this okay. is 1990. Because there had just been some recent changes to no, the temple. No, those are not changes. <laughs> those are minor emendations. True, true. Oh, no, those are ridiculous. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about changes. Okay. Yeah. Right? I'm talking about, you know, the 1990s changes? I'm talking about changes. I'm not familiar. Oh, you got to be familiar. <laughs> See, that was the problem that I was too familiar with, with all the church literature and history and scriptures, you know, as familiar as anybody could be. See, it's not like I, I, you know, I'm not a joiner, you know, because I have my own, my home religion, Catholicism. You know, I go back with that to before Catholicism. Before you know? 600 BC. Oh my God, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I claim all of it. I just don't claim this thing I just became a part of, you know, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. I claim all 2,600 years of my history, my personal history, you know, which was another thing that, you know, these guys didn't understand. Well, you're adopted. I go, no, no, I'm legitimate. I, I don't get adopted. I have a mother and father, and I've had a mother and father since, since time began. I'm not adopted. I, I, I didn't accept the idea of, of a chosen people. You're adopted into the, into the Abrahamic thing. I go, no, no, I don't believe in adoption. I'm not adopted. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to turn me into a second-class citizen over here? You know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, my blood, it goes back. So those were the little discrepancies. But I, I talked to the temple president, and I said, now listen, if you tell me that you received, that the prophet has received revelation about these changes, I will accept them. I will, because I know a way to confirm it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. If you could tell me that is revelation, because through the power of the Holy Ghost, you can confirm the truthfulness of anything. 
That's what the scriptures say. Isn't that true? You know the scriptures. <laughs> it is what they say. Yeah. Right? Because if that's not true, then the confirmation that I got that the church is true would also fall apart. See, because I know what that feels like. You don't need to have the Holy Ghost bear witness to you. I know, I know what that tastes like. You know what I mean? And you know what I, I go, I know what it is. So he says, I can't tell you that because it was not by revelation. Yeah. We were all called in, and I don't know whether this is on anybody's records, but there is a record of it right now. You know, and we were all called in, and we were told that a lot of the antis were using a lot of the stuff that was going on in the temple, satanic rituals, all these accusations to attack the church, you know, and also many of the sisters, there had been some complaints of inordinate touching, because if you know the ritual, the old ritual, you know, the, the, uh, right, you know, there was what some, was it? some, is she a member, was she ever a member, I mean, wait, wait, wait. I was, yeah, but, but you really weren't. <laughs> I guess not, no. See, you, you, <laughs> You were simply... I guess I was baptized, but exactly. I never really understood it all very well. Yes, you shouldn't have left it then. <laughs> anyway, but that's another Maybe. story. <laughs> no, because you got to know what you're rejecting. That's true. You know, because you can't throw out the, but the baby with the dishwater. See, and I refuse to do that. I go, no, I will but, not throw out the baby with the dishwater. No matter how dirty this dishwater is, I'm going to take the baby out and I'm going to throw out the dishwater. <laughs> See, the dishwater for me means all the organizational things. You know, all the, the hierarchical things. You know what I mean? Those things. That's the dishwater. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the baby. The gospel is the God spell, the good spell, the good word. That's the gospel. And it cannot be owned, it cannot be, I, I get, you know, you gotta, but anyway, you should re-examine it. You know, you should re-examine it and take those things that are valuable, yeah. that are real. I'm not saying rejoin. No, I know. Were you excommunicated? I was not excommunicated. Oh. But also I feel like I, I knew it better than I think you think I knew it. I don't know if that makes sense. Knew what? The church. Like I knew, and there are some things that I feel like are part of the doctrine that mm -hmm. I disagree with. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also I do think that there are beautiful things and also things mm -hmm. that I don't understand but also have the potential to be a lot, very beautiful. And I think that there are people who practice Mormonism in a beautiful way and correctly. Yes. And I think that you are one of those people. You think? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, because, you know, they would say, well, you want to pick and choose what you, I go, yes. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> I go, do you know what would happen to me if I went to a restaurant and ordered everything on the menu? No, there are some things I'll say, no. I go, yeah, I pick and choose. Remember that that's one thing you never could give up is your agency. Yeah. Yeah, I can pick and choose. 
Yeah. And I guess also I feel <laughs> like Mormonism is still a big part of me. More than you realize. Yeah, because I grew up I grew up this way and like kind of what we were talking about yeah. it's just my culture. Unfortunately yes. kind of. I no, guess. no, don't say unfortunately. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Because you know why? Because I, I felt the same way about Catholicism and my Catholic culture, mm -hmm. the way you, you just said. Yeah. Unfortunately. But you know what I've been through? My God, what a rich culture the Catholicism was for me and is. Mm -hmm. So I've reclaimed it. That's why when I became an American citizen, it says, which name? You know, you could change your name. I want all my names. I want Alessandro, my Sicilian name. I want Alex, my American name. I want Francesco. I want everything. I want all of it because that's what America is. All of it. Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't have to choose because you choose everything. You see, yeah. this is why this kind of xenophobic crap and, and that we're going through and, and this kind of judgmentalism of, mm -hmm. of, of different ethnic things, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and then the, 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 this has got no place. This is so anti-American. <laughs> you know, this is, this is not worthy. Yeah. You know, you know, and take it from me. Sicily has been a land that's been conquered one after another, after another, after another, after another for 2,600, 700 years, no, even before that. Yeah. By the Phoenicians, by the Greeks, by all we've ever known is conquerors, you know, the little bastards. And I'm not a Sicilian nationalist. With all of that, I don't like nationalism. You know, the idea of my country yeah. is somehow superior, mm -hmm. you know, and no, no, that's... No, that 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 has a fascist kind of, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, you know, let's not go there. Damn, on that note, let me read you a poem. Yeah, since I opened to this one, I think I'll read this one. You don't want to go there. This is not where you want to go. Keep in mind what I'm saying. It's not where you want to be. It's not a good place to go. Did you hear what I said? Don't go there in your thought. Don't go there in your body. Don't go there in any shape or form. You don't want to go there. You know where it ends up. You know how it ends up. You know what it becomes. Don't go there. You hear? Say it one more time. One more and once again and one more time. Don't go there. You know you have been there before. It's all too much and too familiar and too hurtful and too intense. To go there is not what you want. It's not where you want to go. The dark is darker there. The cold is colder there. It's more than what you can bear. It's not too late. It's not impossible. Stay away. Keep still and silent inside and out. Keep breathing steady and deep. Keep breathing, walking. Distinctions. This is a lie. This is a secret. This is a lie. This is a secret. This is classified. This is a lie. Uh, this is confidential. This is a secret. This is a lie. This 
is a lie. This is a poetry is wanted here. It's from my friend Bob Heeman in New York, who, when uh, the towers uh, were being bombed, he was actually stuck in the subway because that's where he worked, where the the twin towers. He would, mm -hmm. you know, and he was stuck. He never got to work that morning because the bomb hit and he was underneath, waiting to. He didn't even know what was happening, you know. And as a matter of fact, he had to come out, and he was shocked, and he had to walk across the bridge, mm -hmm. Brooklyn Bridge, back. You don't sound so good. Please, take care. Most of this is mental. That's why it's terrorism, meant to disconcert, make you revert to blind fear. Poetry is wanted here. And to boot, our homegrown nuts are starting to take root. Yet in most parts, things are calm and generally subdued. But there have been hoaxes and folkses getting anxious and ready to conclude that it's hopeless and drear. Poetry is wanted here. So I'm gonna poetize to realize that you cannot hide when worlds collide. No going inside, no taking a breather either. It all comes to you at once. And you gotta have at least an ounce of hope and joy to deploy into the atmosphere of fear to implode the load of grief that's drawing near. Poetry is wanted here. Cause all peoples are just like you are and I are close or far are just people with nowhere to run. Let's stick a flower into every gun like way back when. Oh, was that a dream? Can't you say now, feel so low, seeing so bleak, thinking so drear, songs are wanted here, rhyming and timing, a rebirth of cheer, poetry is wanted here. Bam! We are human, after all. America, venerable, yet vulnerable, and human, after all. That's our true strength, the real meaning of this happenstance, that we can fall and scroll and rise and be surprised and not take for granted the morning sun, so beautiful and dear. Poetry is wanted here. Forgive me for ranting, for panting, for chanting out of tune. That's the fool in me, seeking a tune in me, wanting to say, to stay light and free from what would oppress, depress, regress, obsess, and in general make a mess of my soul. I want to be whole, in control, on a roll, without the slightest hint of fear. Poetry is wanted here. So my dear friend, hang in, hang on, hang tight. We got to see this to the end. We got to be concerned and discern the real enemy that we fight. For the veil between truth and lie is become so thin and sheer. Poetry is wanted here. Thank you. And so I wrote him a letter, and that was the letter. What did he think of it? I think he liked it. 
All right, and then I think we have to wrap it up, but I just have one question I want to ask everybody who I'm going to interview. And so, um, what do you feel your responsibility is as an artist here, like at UVU? To do what I just did. I'm serious. To do what I just, as a matter of fact, I, I don't particularly like this format, you know, mm-hmm. but I felt it was a good thing to do. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. something that that might be useful, you know, within yeah. the culture here. Okay. You know, the UVU culture. And I don't really like to use UVU, by the way. It sounds so, you know, it's UVU. That's what I call it sometimes. You understand? <laughs> UVU is an endearment term. UVU is more corporate term. <laughs> you understand? This is UVU. It is UVU. Uh, I spell it uh, O-O-V-O-O. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you. You're very welcome, and thank you. <laughs> listening to this episode of slam if you like what you heard please rate us on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify google play or wherever else you listen to podcasts we also have more content on our facebook instagram and twitter at uvu review or on our website at uvureview.com or there.vu that's t-h-e-r-e dot v-u